Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. King Scott announcing that he is now in the race for the Republican nomination for the presidency. And, uh, you know, he's doing the optimistic running. I, I give him credit. I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you a behind the scenes story. I don't even know if I should tell this story, but it's Monday. So I can pretty much do whatever I want in my monologue. Anyway, uh, once upon a time, I was going to go to Washington to be the chief of staff of a newly elected congressman who happened to be uh, a, a black Republican, which of course is rare enough, but it's not as rare as you might think it is. They just don't tend to run for office because black Democrats get take up all the oxygen and get all the money. And by the way, you know, this community's been believing that Democrats are better for them for so long that you can really it's hard to break out of that. Any case, we went up there and the, this congressman was not going to be sitting in the, the Congressional Back Caucus. He wanted to, but they didn't want him in there. So that was the first thing. And then the other newly elected person, congressman, was Tim Scott. So it would have been like a natural thing for these two guys to form a, uh, an alliance, right? I mean, they were both conservatives. They were young. They were black. They were males. Um, one had been in the military for over, I think, close to two decades. The other had a family history of military. His father, his brothers, everybody had done big-time military service. So it was a natural sort of alliance. But the uh, the congressman that I was affiliated with said, I don't like him. <laughs> I said, well, what don't you like about him? And he said, he's like mushy. And you have to understand that uh, the congressman that I was working with was like, a, you know, the macho man. And so Tim Scott is not the macho man. I don't know anything about Tim Scott's personal story other than, you know, what he's told the public and he's about to reveal a whole lot more. His father was present. I thought he was a kid from a single mom, but, you know, what do I know? I had him mixed up with, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas's life story, I think. But, uh, oh, no, don't, don't say that. It wasn't because they're both black. It was just because it was it's two stories that I read. Anyway, so he's running as the nice guy. Now, didn't Joe Biden tell us that he was the nice guy? That he was going to bring the country together? That there were no red states or blue states? We were all the United States? I don't know. Either he or uh, Donald Trump said that. Uh, Senator Tim Scott is running against Joe Biden from the get-go, right out of the box. He is not interested in challenging Donald Trump, with whom he worked and did some incredible legislature. By the way, Tim Scott became the senator because he, the uh, 
the senator that was in the in the Senate at the time got bumped out. So he ended up getting a Senate seat, even though he didn't have to run the first time for that seat. Anyway, he's running on this very positive campaign, it looks like. He was introduced by Senator John Thune, who's number two in, in the Senate, you know, right after Mitch McConnell in the minority. And he's going to Sioux City, Iowa tomorrow, and then he's going to New Hampshire on Thursday. His campaign has already spent $6 million in ads on television and radio in those states. So apparently he has no shortage of campaign funds. So we'll see. You know, the, the Democrats say he's a far-right conservative. He's a Tea Party guy. He was elected as a Tea Party guy to Congress. Um, so far, he has not deviated from the MAGA agenda. He supports the same things that Donald Trump supports. He supports the same things that uh, Ron DeSantis supports, who will be announcing this week as well. And the same things that Nikki Haley supports. I'm not really sure about Vivek Ramaswamy, but I think they probably all support the MAGA agenda. If they don't, they haven't got a prayer. And even if they do, they haven't got a prayer. I saw an article. Somebody had sent me a link this morning. And I was reluctant, hesitant to read the article. It was in the New York Post. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to read this because I need to know what people are thinking, even even people who are not that, that bright, you know, like uh, newspaper writers. Just saying, you know. So I said, and this happened to be one of my favorite columnist used to be a guest on my show all the time I stopped doing guests for the mo part, most part unless they have a political bent and can add to this to the discussion but I find that when I talk to columnists um, we're just talking about their column you know <laughs> although I'm gonna have Cal Thomas on, on soon because I'm reading his new book and I just love me some Cal Thomas I saw him and I was up in DC the last time and that man is brilliant and and he's quite advanced in age and still so sharp and such a true conservative. And anyway, um, so I will, but I love Michael Goodwin. I know Michael's wife and I, and he have had, you know, a, a lovely uh, dinners together. I mean, he's a great, great guy. But he's also not necessarily a MAGA guy. I mean, he definitely supported Trump and he definitely recoils from the horrible things that were done to Donald Trump by the other party and by the Department of Justice that definitely turns his stomach. But, he, you know, he was writing an article on whether or not Donald Trump can win a, a national election. And, of course, now all these studies are coming out. Uh, Biden's ahead by seven points, and then there'll be another one. Uh, Trump's ahead by six points. It's too early, my friends, for us to have even an idea who's going to win the primary, never mind the general election. You know, I'm still not convinced that the Democrats are going to run Joe Biden. How about that? I don't pay much attention to that because he's not my guy. It's not my, you know, my, uh, his, his policies are, don't line up with mine. But I, I just am not convinced that he's got enough support to run. Now, you know, people say, well, they just want a puppet and, you know, who's ever, you know, controlling politics for the Democrat Party, well, they'll control him. 
that's not really, that's not good strategy. And I think the strategists, as weak as they may be in both parties, are not going to want to run Joe Biden. I mean, it's over there at the G7, and he's like lost. He he just wanders around looking like an old, you know, senile grandpa. I don't believe that even the Democrats, who are pretty scary in their thought process, they cannot look at him and think like, yeah, he'll do great on the campaign trail. And don't worry, because he's got his able-bodied, uh, you know, vice president who nobody likes. Not him, not the rest of the party, nobody, not the voting public. And so I, I think to myself, you know, I'm so fixated and focused on Donald Trump and, and the Republicans that I don't pay much attention to what's going on over there on the, uh, on the left. But I can't believe, I, I do not believe, let me put it that way. I do not believe that they are going to go with that ticket in the final analysis. First and foremost, there's primary contender in uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, I believe there'll be more. I think there'll be a lot of announcements in the next two or three weeks. We know we got one today from Tim Scott. I suspect that uh, that's going to light a fire under uh, Governor DeSantis, and he'll make it his, his announcement this week as well. That's what everybody's saying. Now, you see, to me, if I were the advisor, the first thing I would tell him is, you know, how about just, you know, keep your powder dry for a while? You know, if you think that you've faced attacks as the governor of Florida, which he has, and been very good in the face of attacks. He don't take much guff, right? Wait till a, na a national election of this magnitude, particularly in the primary, against a man who's already staked out, destroying your candidacy. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want this done to your family? You've got little kids. You've got this you know, uh, awesome wife, who just got through a bout with cancer, like maybe just keep your powder dry. You're young, you're doing a great job as governor. You're only gonna build your case if you stay on as governor. Plus it shows the people that you're not a fly by night using, you know, using a governor's mansion as a stepping stone to the White House. I mean, that's just my opinion and I would tell him that if he ever took my calls, which he doesn't. But that's okay. Because when he needed me to run for Congress, we were buddies, you know, and if he decides to run for the presidency, he's going to need a lot of help. But some of us aren't interested. And that's the truth. I mean, I'll interview any of the contenders who want to come on this program, but I'm not really that inclined to interview people who are all going to say the same thing. We got to get rid of Joe Biden. We got to get out of uh, this war in Ukraine. You know, this is the Donald Trump platform. They're all running on the Donald Trump platform. The only difference is that they have different styles. Tim Scott's going to be Mr. Nice Guy. Doo -doo -doo -doo. America is uh, not a fraud. America is not a myth. My life disproves their laws. We're not in decline. We're in a Biden retreat. Now, who's ever crafting his message is doing a fine, fine job, really. I mean, Donald Trump isn't even taking a shot at him. Well, number one, because he knows he has absolutely no chance. I, I don't know why 
he's running? I really don't. I mean, I have to believe it's because he thinks that he could do, a, you know, a better job than Joe Biden. But, you know, so could I. I'm not going to run. We'll see. We'll see how, you know, Tim Scott progresses. And if Donald Trump keeps his, you know, his hands off of Tim Scott, he probably won't. But he hasn't gone after Nikki Haley. And he said some nice things about Vivek Ramaswamy. He knows who the, who the um, most dangerous person is in terms of getting the nomination. He knows who's got the most money. He knows who's got the best staff around him, although I would beg to differ. I don't think they're the best staff. As a matter of fact, I think that they're pretty weak. But nonetheless, it's going to get exciting. And I believe, I'm stating it today on the air, that the Democrats are going to have a race as well. I know nobody's expecting that because they all stick together. And he said he wants to run again. But I don't believe they're going to let him. I, I just don't. I don't believe you can get donors <laughs> to finance the Democrats running Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I just don't. Not even George Soros is going to buy into that ticket. He's too busy with DA elections anyway right now. My uh, thought of the day was about a DA in Massachusetts, a Soros-funded DA, who lied, you know, under penalty of law to the Department of Justice, no less. But hey, don't worry, because the fact that she has a D after her name makes her bulletproof, right? Now, if she was an R... Well, she'd be, you know, she'd be in big trouble. The Department of Justice is so corrupt at this point, going one direction only, that uh, nobody even, you know, we don't even find it rewarding to talk about it anymore. Like, we understand. I, I saw a, a, an aide, a former legal counsel for Donald Trump, came out and said, oh, they're going to get him on this charge, and he's going to jail, you know. And I'm like... Why? Why would you even get involved in this discussion? You know, don't you have any dignity, any loyalty? These people who worked in the Trump administration, like uh, Farah, whatever her name is, Griffith, the one that's on the, the, the Cackling Hen show, the view from outer space, she, you know, Trump went after her this weekend because she's an idiot. But these are people who worked with Donald Trump, and now they're going, well, you know, I, I don't like Donald Trump. Oh, really? You wouldn't even have existed in the political sphere. You wouldn't have gotten a call to go on The View if you didn't work in the Trump administration. But all of a sudden, you're disenfranchised, disenchanted. Look, I got friends like you. I do. I got friends who did that, who did that. Like, well, he did do a great job, and yes, they do attack him mercilessly, but he can't win. Of course he can't win if you keep saying he can't win. I have to dispel that myth. Of course he can win. And more importantly, of course he will win. Because we're up the creek without a paddle here in America. I looked at that dead clock today, and, and I think Levin last night, did a beautiful piece, his monologue, his opening monologue, on the insanity of this standoff on the debt ceiling. You know, nobody, you know, for them to come out and say, the Democrats and, and Karine Jean-Pierre, to come out and say, oh, there'll be no Social Security checks and the veterans are not going to get their money and the, and the military's not going to get paid, that is nonsense. That doesn't come out of any fund other than the specified one 
and it will be paid. You're going to get Medicare. You're going to get Social Security. All that stuff is going to get paid. Of course, they're treating the veterans pretty badly, but they'll get paid, you know. Um, the Department of Justice will get its money. The Homeland Security will get its money. The only people that are going to have to, you know, maybe not get paid are some of these entrenched bureaucrats in some of these agencies that really shouldn't even exist. So they may have to shut them down for a while. Who needs an education department in Washington? Education is a local issue, as Governor Newsom ought to be told since, well, I'll wait and I'll talk about that when I come back because Governor Newsom from California, oh my gosh, he wants public records of Ron DeSantis's decisions and oh, that's a, that's a battle that I'd like to see. I think they both should wait and run in 2028, right? Gavin Newsom against Ron DeSantis. Now that would be a beautiful thing. And by then, Donald Trump will have put America back together again. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget to go to the app, the 850WFTL app, or use the website, 850WFTL.com, and find out what contests you're eligible to enter and then enter them so that you can win. Take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So I'm I'm just calling. I think it's going to be much more of a battle for these nominations. I really do. Everybody say, you know, already like, well, uh, Trump loses to Biden. Uh, Biden loses to DeSantis. I mean, come on, guys. You know, that that's not how this works. This is like much more exciting than you figured. And it's going to be exciting. Right now, do you realize that for the first time, the government has had to issue satellite phones for emergency communication to more than 50 senators. So you ask yourself why? Well, there's some growing concerns of security risks to members of Congress. So these devices are part of a series of new security measures that are being offered to senators by the Senate Sergeant at Arms, who, this is the guy who took over after the January 6th protest. I will not call it a riot, I will not call it an insurrection or anything else, because it wasn't. The satellite phone technology has been offered to all 100 senators. 50 have accepted. In Senate Appropriations Committee last month, he said that these uh, the, the sergeant at arms, who happens to be a woman, Karen Gibson, so she said that satellite communication is being deployed to ensure a redundant and secure means of communication during a disruptive event. So the Department of Homeland Security advisory said satellite phones are a tool for responding to and coordinating government services in the case of, quote, man-made, or natural disaster that wipes out communication. Everything is so apocalyptic at this point 
you know, that you hear something like that, you watch these this endless stream, or at least uh, because I I use so many websites for news, from international news to local news, and everything is so apocalyptic. I mean, I just watched some members of the NAACP give a press conference, and one of them was here in Tampa, I believe, the leader of the Tampa NAACP. And first and foremost, with all the woke culture out there, why are they allowed to be the NAACP, right? Like, would it be okay if I called this person who was doing the press conference a colored person? Because that's what that stands for. It's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons. So does that mean that, that that's the acceptable term? Because last time I checked, it was not the acceptable term. And calling somebody that was very risky. You know, really risky, like as in the N-word, which you can't even say. You got to just say, call it the N-word. So I'm watching this person. She she acted like if you came to Florida, if let's say you're a New Yorker, like my sister, you know, my half-sister is African-American. If she came to Florida, it would be very dangerous, according to the NAACP. I told my husband that we have to build a bunker because he's here in Florida and it's very dangerous for people of color. And he looked at me like I was having a psychotic break. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, the NAACP has issued a travel advisory. <laughs> he said, what? The oldest civil rights group in the United States is cautioning travelers to reconsider visits to Florida as they join other advocates in expressing distaste for the state's openly hostile leadership. Okay, so now let me play this out for you, okay? Because I, I think people really don't understand when they tell me, oh, DeSantis is the best candidate. Oh, he's, he's all of uh, Donald Trump, but with the uh, class. You know, he, he's so much better educated and he, he puts on such a fine air. Well, guess what? The NAACP considers him dangerous to people of color. Just, just kind of meditate on that for a minute. Not that I believe anything the NAACP says, neither does my husband. He did want to know if the travel advisory meant that he had to stay in one county or something. But you just, you just have to, to scratch your head. They're talking about school books. He's banning books. He doesn't want critical race theory. He, you know, he's dangerous. He's openly hostile, she said, to, towards African Americans, people of color. Now, wait a second. Are those two different categories now? Openly hostile towards African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. This is what the advisory says. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color. Well, we got to batten down the hatches, my husband and I, because we qualify and we are both part of marginalized communities and we're in Florida. I, I, 
I certainly hope that there's going to be a financial windfall for those of us that stick it out, right? Because Governor DeSantis has launched, this is the, the words of the NAACP president, Derek Johnson, has launched unrelenting attacks on fundamental freedoms. And you guys want to run him for the presidency? By the time the NAACP gets through with him, by the time the LGBTQ LMNOP community gets through with him, let me tell you something. This is not his time. It's just not. And uh, the fact that the NAACP is telling black people, because that's the only one who listens to the NAACP, that is telling them not to come to Florida, I would say that probably is uh, how they're going to run a campaign against him if he should be the nominee. They're going to say that he engaged in a blatant war against the principles of diversity and inclusion and rejected our shared identities to appeal to the dangerous extremist MAGA minority. It, that, 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 that. Let me tell you something. I, I, I checked in at the, uh, at the tourism numbers, you know, just to see if, like, this was having any kind of effect. And they do keep tourism numbers. They tell you where they came from, and now they tell you the race. Isn't that cool? Like in a world where I'm being told too much race consciousness and too much attention paid to these immutable characteristics, now everything is categorized. Every single application I get, I have to put a race, I have to put ethnicity, I have to put, oh my gosh. And, and if you dare to check, uh, refuse to say, or don't want to tell you, you get rejected. So uh, give me a pre uh, you know, give me a break. He's going to file the paperwork is what I'm being told on Wednesday with the FEC. And then he's formally going to announce his presidential candidacy for the Republican nomination on social media, on a video on social media. Now, I can only hope, really, that, uh, that I get some background, inside information about his decision to do it this week. Because it's not only the civil rights organization, the NAACP, that has issued a travel warning. The League of the United Latin American Citizens, that's LULAC, the oldest and the largest Hispanic civil rights group in the United States, issued a warning advising immigrants and their families to avoid traveling to the Sunshine State because of DeSantis's recent crackdown on immigration. So what makes us happy makes everybody else unhappy. If you bring your titi to Disney World, to Miami, or to Universal Studios, they're going to charge you with a felony for bringing your undocumented friend or relative to Florida. Florida is a dangerous, hostile environment for law-abiding Americans and immigrants. And don't get all in a, you know, look at your panties in a sweat there. I'm Hispanic. I can talk with a Hispanic accent if I want to. <laughs> and I wanted to. Let me take a quick break. Don't move. I got so much more. I feel as though, I, you know, it's great to be a talk radio host. Always. But it's particularly great today. I'll be right back. 
You just, you, you don't know where to go next when you're looking over the news. I, I print out all these stories and then, you know, something happens. There's breaking news and I don't get to talk about it. But I have to talk about the this whistleblower against the FD, uh, FBI because it's, you know, there's something rotten in Denmark. Only Denmark is the FBI. You have this whistleblower who... By the way, they keep retaliating against anybody who comes forward and says anything, right? He said, there were abuses in the course of investigations into all of these protesters on January 6th. They had targeted as well traditional Catholics and any parent who opposed critical race theory and anybody who said that you shouldn't be teaching that stuff in public schools at a school board meeting one agent testified that the Bureau had become rotted at its core. Now think about that. Politics is, the driving, is driving the agenda in our federal agencies. It's not just happening in the presidential campaigns. They're targeting the American people. You know you're not politically correct. You're not in line with what they think you should be politically. And you become a target. And they terrorize people. Pro-lifers praying at a clinic or Catholics just going to mass. You could be a target. And maybe that's what's just as frightening. Is if you're one of those good employees in the government who, who said, you know what, this isn't right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Congress. I'm going to talk about the fact that they're targeting people, not, not terrorists, just people. They get retaliated against. Is that a word? Retaliated. They face retaliation. If you're one of those, there are literally hundreds of good employees working across the country in the FBI and other agencies. But if you're one of those good employees and you act on your conscience and you come forward, they come after you. They come after If you tell them, the guy who told them about the radical traditional Catholic memo, they're going to create some, you know, way of coming after you. And it's really going to get crazy out here. They were, think about January 6th. I mean, sometimes I think about how we allowed them to have ongoing investigations. There are people who have been in jail for like since January of 2021. It's May, the end of May of 2023. How is that okay? With very few people actually being convicted of insurrection, right? Most of them, it's like trespassing. What, what's going on here? The public's not stupid. And we watched all the protests by Black Lives Matter and Antifa where property was destroyed, People were hurt. People were killed. And we didn't see the FBI going crazy looking for them. But the, the MAGA people who showed up at the U.S. Capitol or the parents who speak up at school board meetings or Catholics just going to church are all being targeted. They're not violent. 
They have a First and a Fourth Amendment right to free speech, the freedom of religion, and a freedom against unreasonable surveillance. Can you imagine? The FBI's Washington field office pressured a field office in Boston to open investigations on 138 people who just traveled to D.C. to exercise their First Amendment right. I know people who went. They didn't know. Bank of America turned over data to the FBI. Anybody who they had in their database who had purchased a gun, legally, mind you, and was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, went to the top of the Bureau's list and were called violent extremists. And then they pressured agents to reclassify cases as domestic violent extremism and even manufactured cases where they might not otherwise exist, manipulating the case categorization system to create the perception that domestic violent extremism is actually rising around the country. I guess I qualify. The report also found, I better be careful saying that, the report also found that a number of cases were being pressured to be turned into violent extremist cases. Yeah, this is crazy stuff. This is Animal Farm 1984 crazy stuff. Targeting parents? Treating them like domestic terrorists? How, how is this happening in our country? And we're sitting around you know, with candidates who basically all know how evil this is and want to fix it. We've got to have a plethora of them now, right? I believe Tim Scott would probably be, a, you know, a good president. I don't know right now, but, you know, these are decent people who think this is messed up. Targeting Catholics? I mean, we saw the memo. January 23rd memorandum from the FBI was called Interest of Racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditional Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities. What is a radical traditionalist Catholic ideology? Could somebody tell me? Because my mother was Catholic. I know lots of Catholics. How did they become threats? You know, of all people, they go to Mass every day. <laughs> they're very involved in their faith. And the FBI is, uh, you know, oh, uh, we have to watch them. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. They suspended this Garrett O'Boyle, the, the special agent, for bringing forward a cash bonus system for agents who get a monetary bonus at the end of the year if they meet certain metrics. So this was protected information and he disclosed it. And then the FBI transferred him to another unit that required him to move his entire family across the country. And when he got there, they placed him on unpaid, indefinite suspension, effectively rendering his family homeless and leaving them without any personal effects, including his young children's clothing, because they were in FBI storage. Or Special Agent Stephen Friend, who, because he questioned the narrative of domestic violent extremism being wrongly applied to uh, an American who was just exercising their First Amendment rights, he got suspended. They suspended his security clearance after making protected disclosures. 
They punish them for coming forward and telling us the truth. They work for us, all of them. Comey, orange jumpsuit. Christopher Ray, orange jumpsuit. Bob Mueller, orange jumpsuit. These people are conducting criminal investigations against innocent Americans who are simply addressing, redressing their grievances with their government or redressing their grievances with the school board. How is that okay? It's not okay. Who's going to fix it? Well, it certainly ain't the doddering old man and his sidekick Kamala. That ain't going to happen. Hey, listen, it's going to get interesting, I promise you. It is interesting already. Gosh, I love my job. Anyway, don't forget that Dan Bongino's coming up right after me, and then Ben Shapiro, and then Matt Walsh, and then the WPTV News. It's Monday, so we get the whole thing starting over again. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show. For now, I have one segment left. Please don't leave. I'll be right back. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, one of the things that I find the funniest is when people tell me about, well, they think they're giving me some insight into the opposite of Trump derangement syndrome. See, I have the opposite. I have TODS, Trump obsessive derangement system, because I am... Definitely, I'm convinced that this is the last chance for us to get this country back on its track. And if we don't, then what happens? Donald just put out a message. Good luck to Senator Tim Scott in entering the Republican presidential primary race. It is rapidly loading up with lots of people, and Tim is a big step up from Ron DeSanctimonious, who is totally unelectable. I got Opportunity Zones done with Tim, a big deal that has been highly successful. Good luck, Tim. (laughs) Listen, what does that tell you? It tells you that every single candidate who's running in this election is running against Donald Trump. They're not running against each other. Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson. I'm trying to remember, is there anybody else? Um, And Ron... They're all running against Donald Trump for the nomination. And I think Michael Godwin's column was right on the money. He said, they can't not, we can't not nominate Donald Trump because if he runs on his record, you'd have to nominate him, right? He knocks everybody else's socks off. But if you do nominate him, what happens? Well, the Democrats get mobilized. You see, and that's the big fear. And, and Goodwin didn't actually say it, but I'm saying it. You don't want to give the Democrats Trump. And I get it. Because there's nothing worse than Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, they will go absolutely bonkers when he gets the nomination. It will be morning, noon, and night anti-Trump stuff He's got multiple investigations. They're going to launch more. There's probably be a conviction or two in the next, you know, three weeks. All of this. And then you're going to have 
this candidate that the Democrats are simply going to run against. But you know what? I don't think it's going to work this time. I really don't. I think you need some, some magic to happen during an election season. I watched the magic in 2016. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And, and I thought the re-election of Ronald Reagan was pretty monumental. But the election of Donald Trump was singular. It will never, even he will not be able to duplicate it in 2024. But the people who do the punditry and the writers and the newspapers and other talk show hosts, with very few exceptions, like I think Dan Bongino's an exception, I'm an exception, but with very few exceptions, they don't realize how ticked off we are. They don't understand what we're going through. They're so detached from real life. And I would have to put Ron in that category as well. Because, you know, if you get to govern a state that has gone from blue to red, and you're a Republican, and then you have an entire majority in the legislature in both houses that are lined up behind you, it ain't that hard. It does give plenty of lines to Democrats to run against, but it, it's just not as hard. It's not like what Donald Trump did. He went to the highest office, I think, in the world, not just in this land. And from there, he kept the peace. He improved the economy. If COVID hadn't come, we would have been sailing into his second term. He eliminated some of the most bizarre, stupid stuff that we now have to live with. All this woke nonsense. You know, he didn't want it. He put an end to a lot, to a lot of it. And then they resurrected it. And that just made us even more upset and angry. Because guess what? In the final analysis, elections are won because people vote. Now, I agree that there's a significant chance of them launching another uh, steal-the-vote kind of uh, effort. But I don't know that you can fool him twice. Like, I think that there'll be a much more concerted effort to not allow it to happen this time. There are enough governors out there right now who believe that they have to be responsible about their elections. And they look stupid when they cannot make an announcement the night of election. They just do. And we got to fight. You got to tell Congress. I, I tell them all the time, even though my representative Moskowitz is not listening. I say all the time, look, no more ballot harvesting, no more absentee ballots mandatory going out to everybody else. COVID is over. And the people who are still wearing masks, you're getting sick. I just saw a report today that said people who are still wearing masks are more sick than anyone else. You might not be getting COVID, but you keep breathing that same disgusting air and you're getting sick more frequently. So take off your mask. You look ridiculous. It's not a political statement. If you want to wear the uh, mask like they did in, in V, that I'll accept. I thank you for your time this time until next time. 
My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, get excited. It's election season. Pick a candidate and run with it. I thank you. I will see you tomorrow. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.